Where are we, Jed? I'm blinded, blinded by the light. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. Dan, and who feels sort of like the rabbit in the headlights, but yes. <laughs> we are, we were up here for a while, back in yonder year. Um, there was some things going on in the world and all that stuff. And anyway, we, we got out of this space for a while, but we're trying some things out. And we, we like to try new things out. Yeah, try new things, shake it up a little bit. Um, some of it plays with the algorithm, you know, on YouTube. Some of it is... Uh, Could you stop while I go and look up that word? No, go ahead. <laughs> some of it is, we do appreciate your patience with some audio issues that we've been encountering. So some of this is to try and test out some new audio equipment as well. Or some old audio equipment in new situations, I should say. Blah, 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 blah. I know we're trying to get to the question here because as we love to do, we are addressing a question that came in. Okay. And so this week, we're going to be diving into Romans chapter 9, I think the first 16 verses. Or so, yeah. That's someone just said, could you dig into it a little bit? Kind of left it open-ended. So where do we want to get started? Well, we'll read a little bit of the text, um, but before we do that, mm -hmm. predestination is the mm. topic of this passage, and particularly in the flow of thought of the book of Romans, where does Israel fit into God's predestination? Because Israel was God's chosen people, okay. and it seems that those that were reading the book of Romans, especially the Jewish Christian population that was reading it, was having an issue saying, well, if God really chose Israel, and if Israel is, you know, chosen by God to be his people, and it seems like you're trying to tell us, Paul, that Israel is not God's people anymore. Mm. So up to this point, Paul has been trying to get them to see that that's not true, but let's read a couple of previous passages. Okay. Go back to Romans 2, verse 28 and 29, and read that for us. And this is in a section where Paul is talking about the sinfulness of both Gentiles and Jews. But read 2, 28, 29. Yeah. It says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. All right. And then if you turn over to chapter 4... Okay. Verse 11 and 12, he's talking about the fact that Abraham was justified or made righteous by faith long before he was circumcised and long before the law of Moses. And then mm -hmm. pick it up at verse 11 there in chapter 4, 11 and 12. Yeah. And he says, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the uncircumcised who were not merely circumcised, but also who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. All right, so his point is that Abraham is not just the father of the circumcised or the yeah. Israelites. He's the father of the uncircumcised as well, because as he argued earlier in the chapter, uh, circumcision took place first in Genesis 17, and Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness in Genesis 15, long before chapter 17. Okay. So his righteousness had nothing to do with circumcision. And so 
in all of this, Abraham is being shown as the father of the true people of God. Okay. And the promise to Abraham, you know, in your seed, all the nations, not just one nation, right. but all the nations yeah. of the earth will be blessed. So Paul's working up to that in Romans 9 to answer the Jews' question, has God really changed his mind and, and gone back on his word and cast off his people? You know, so kind of first step is don't just jump into Romans 9 and try to figure out an answer to a question. You need to look at the whole case Paul has been laying out since the beginning of Romans. That's exactly right. Okay. If, if you do the former, you're totally missing the boat. All right, so... Read us uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5 there. Okay. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises, to them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. All right, so Paul is expressing the fact that he is very concerned and even sad about the Israelites because most of them have not accepted Christ. And he acknowledges down in verse 4 the things that the Jews were thinking. Yeah. To them belongs the adoption. Well, that's God choosing Israel and saying, Israel is my son. You know, he adopted Israel. He chose them. The glory is God's presence, which was manifested at the tabernacle and other places. Yeah. Uh, the covenants, plural, have to do with um, the covenants that come to Abraham and the covenant with Moses and other covenants, the covenant of circumcision. These other things that are expressed in the Old Testament, all from that seed line. Uh -huh. The giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Uh, the the priestly service, Latreia, means the priesthood. Uh -huh. uh, the, the promises, the promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, all of those promises. Those promises carry with them the predestination, the purpose of God. When those promises have no ifs, if they just say, I will, I will, I will, God never lies about those things. Right. Paul is hanging his hat on that and, and telling the people that that's true. But then notice when he, he says, whose are the fathers, verse 5, and of whom is the Christ according to the flesh? Christ mm -hmm. descended from yep. Abraham. Right. In fact, Galatians 3.16, Paul says that Christ is that seed of Abraham uh -huh. in which all the families of the earth will be blessed. But then he has a major departure from his Jewish audience when he says, who is God uh -huh. over all to be praised forever? Amen. That's a big fork in the road where he loses the Jewish population. And see, we read that on the you know Protestant Christian side of history sort of thing, and we don't see that as a change. We go, well, of course, we all know this. Yeah, he, he's, he's making his case here that he sees all of this mm -hmm. and that, that Christ is God. But then he says, look at verse 6, it is not as though the word of God has failed. Mm -hmm. In other words, God has not changed his mind. For, he says, this is much like the earlier passages, not all of Israel is really Israel. Okay, so that was kind of where I was going 
to think about when people hear predestination, that means God has already planned out, chosen. And so by hearing all this chosen language, out of context, you may think, okay, God chose all of Israel for salvation. Like he's taking care of every one of them. No. But even tied up in he gave them the law, well, there, there were things that they had to do according to the law. Right. And so now we get to verse 6. Not all are from Israel, are Israel, you know, that language he's using. Is that saying that not all of them received God's promises, so to say? Not all of physical Israel is really God's Israel now because Abraham's promise said, in thy seed, okay. all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So, so even in that verse, he's not specifically talking about their like heaven, hell, salvation, good, bad sort of thing. He's just talking about looking at it now, just because you're of a certain people does not mean you are chosen. You're the one promised. What, what exactly is he trying to say there? He's saying that God's spiritual Israel, which he's been trying to develop in those passages you read earlier, yeah. does not include all fleshly Israelites. Okay. His spiritual Israel is connected to the promise of Abraham. Okay. In thy seed, in Christ, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Yeah. So those Israelites that diverged from that Abrahamic promise are no longer considered to be God's Israel. Yeah. Now read verse six, uh, seven through, um, well, six through uh, eight is what we want to read there. Okay, so starting back at six, but it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. All right, so... It's the last part. It's not the children of the flesh, fleshly Israelites that are the children of God, but mm. the children of the promise. He means mm. the Abrahamic promise. Okay. To illustrate that, back in verse 7, he quotes verse 21, or Genesis 21, verse 12, mm. and that's where it says, In Isaac shall your seed be called. So Abraham had two sons. He had Ishmael. Right. And he had Isaac. Ishmael was a fleshly child of Abraham. Right. But God said, no, the promise is not going to be fulfilled through Ishmael. It's going to be through Isaac. This is simply in here to illustrate the fact that just because you're a fleshly child of Abraham yeah. does not mean you're part of the seed in that promise. Good. Okay. So he's... he's He's working on this spiritual idea of God's Israel. Yeah, there's more than lineage at play here. Right. Okay. And so, you know, if you go over to chapter 11 and you read the thing about the olive tree, uh -huh. it, God's Israel is his olive tree. Right. And that means that it doesn't include those Jews that failed to believe in Christ who were the branches that were broken off. Uh -huh. It does include those Gentiles who did trust in, in yeah. Christ who are grafted into the tree. Okay. But the roots of the tree go back to the promise to Abraham. See? That came through Christ. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So as you continue here, he's talking about how God has always made choices of what he would do and what he would not do. Keep going in verse 9 there, and this is a really difficult section. Read 9 through 12, and then we'll, we'll pick that apart. Okay. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. 
Not only so, but also when Rebekah con had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of his call, she was told the older will serve the younger. There you go. Now that is a long convoluted sentence. That's a lot. So you see in my Bible how I've got parentheses around all this material and that's sort of the interlude. Yeah. So what you have when you boil that sentence down, and well, we'll first let's get back to verse 9. Okay. Verse 9, he, he begins talking about the promise when the angels came to uh, Abraham and Sarah and ate with them, and they said about this time next year, Sarah, your wife is going to have a son. That's going to be Isaac. See, yeah. Ishmael was already born. Okay. All yeah. right. So the, that's back to verse 7 or whatever it is in Isaac, shall you see right. what he called. All right. And then he said, not only that, verse 10, but Rebecca, who got pregnant by Isaac, you know, and this was even before the children were born. Look at verse 12 where it says, it was said to her. Mm -hmm. See, after it says, Rebecca got pregnant by her father Isaac, you have to parentheses all that stuff until you get down to, it was said to her, to Rebecca, mm. the older shall serve the younger. Yeah. And that is in Genesis 25, 23. Okay. That's when the babies were still in Rebecca's belly. Yeah. And before they were ever born, God said the older one is going to serve the younger one. That was predestined. Hmm. It's not going to be Esau that this promise is going to go through. It's right. going to be Jacob. And you know all the shenanigans that went oh, yes. between those two brothers. Hairy arms and fights and stews. Yeah, and Esau was trying to remain the one. And God said, yeah. nope. Before he was even born, God said, nope, it's going to be okay. that other one. So See? Now, this is kind of leading to, so is God always choosing who will serve him or who he will work through? What What's kind of, what's he trying to point out here? No, the election, the choice, the word election, by the way, that a lot of people use means choice, God's choice. Mm -hmm. God is choosing those through whom he's going to bring the Christ. It's okay. not choosing this one to be saved and that one not to be uh -huh. saved. He's choosing that he's going to bring his Messiah and his plan of salvation through this seed line. Okay. Okay. So we're still just talking about how God's developing his plan, not specifically who gets in and who gets out. Right. And and both Jacob and Esau could work with the plan or work against the plan as long as they realize that it's through Jacob mm. that this thing is going to be done. Okay. You remember when... Um, when God gave the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, I will bless those that bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Mm. So if you go with me in my choices in this plan and work with me, I'll bless you. Yeah. If you try to work against me, I'll curse you. Yeah. And there are different instances where that took place yep. in the story. Yep. So the message for us is if we try to go against God's plan, we're cursing ourselves because he said, I'll bless you. I'll bless you if you go with me. I'll curse you if you go against me. Gotcha. See? So so it's important to keep in mind we're talking plan, not person. That's right. Okay. We're talking about a role in the plan, not your salvation. We're talking yeah. about the plan, not a person, as far as salvation is concerned. Okay. Now, read 12 and at 12, starting where it says it was said to her. Mm -hmm. So 
starting in the ESV, the phrase is that she was told, or it was said to her, the mm-hmm. older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now see, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? It does. It makes God sound real bad. But what we need to understand and what the readers of this understood, that verse 12 is Genesis 25, 23, mm-hmm. and verse 13 is a quote from Malachi. And there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. There was a lot of time between Genesis and Malachi. Yeah. Verse 12 was said to the ba- to the mother before the babies were even born. Yeah. Everybody understands that that's reading this. Yeah. But verse 13 was said to the descendants of both of those after mm-hmm. they were long, long dead. Yeah. After Esau's descendants have afflicted Israel and worked against God and now all these you're other cooking. things. So see, yeah. see, the reason you have verse 13... Esau chose his descendants, the Edomites, chose to go against Jacob or the nation of Israel back in the Old Testament. Right. And because of that, according to God's promise, whoever curses you, I will curse. Mm -hmm. So when Esau turned against Jacob, God had no choice but to hate him. Yeah. Because he said, whoever blesses you, I'll bless. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. Okay. All right. So what he's saying is once God sets the plan, Mm -hmm. if you go against the plan, you're cursing yourself to be hated. Yeah. His whole argument is, is Israelites, God's plan is to bless all the nations in Christ. Now, if you go against that plan, if you choose that, you're cursing yourself. So I can feel the Jesus turn, so to say, where he's going to go. So if you're cursing Jesus, is that kind of where he's headed? If, if you're against Jesus, if you reject Jesus, you're putting yourself in the camp of the cursed and not in the camp of the blessed. And the example he's using is Israel, you know, Jacob versus Esau. That's right. That's just an example to prove his point. Yeah. All right. Read there in verse 14. So what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. He says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. All right. Now, verse 15 and of course, the question he poses in verse 14, is it obvious? No, there's no injustice with God. Yeah. Verse 15 is actually a quotation from Exodus. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Exodus 33, 19. Okay. And he's talking about the fact in Exodus 33 that God chooses on whom he'll have mercy and God chooses on whom he won't have mercy. That choice is the plan for God's mercy. Okay. See? So God chose, Paul's going to say, that God will have mercy on all those who are in Christ, the seed of Abraham. Uh-huh. If you choose not to be in Christ, yeah. that's your problem, not God's problem. Okay. Because he chose us in him, Ephesians 1, 4. See? But this is not, and again, trying to... Typically, you'll hear this verse pulled out, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. And what they would mean is, well, no matter what we do, God has had mercy on you, Dan, but he's chosen not to have mercy on me. Uh-uh. But he's still talking big picture plan. Yeah. I'm going to have mercy on those who follow my plan. Yeah, it's just like the people would understand clearly this passage from Malachi above that says, okay, the reason Esau is hated is because he turned against his brother Jacob. Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. So this is still the same logic. Okay. All right. So pick it up at verse 16 and read through verse 18 there. All right. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. 
For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whoever he wills. All right, and all that sounds really bad, especially if you haven't read the rest of the book. Yeah. But also if you don't know the context of what the quotes come from. So um, what he's saying here is, Pharaoh, back in Pharaoh's case, mm -hmm. this still goes with the promise, you know, to Abraham. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, you know, remember, I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. Yeah. And God said, okay, Moses, I'm sending you down here to Pharaoh, and my people are going to be set free, and they're going to go out. And Pharaoh says, no, they're not. Right. Despite multiple attempts so, to persuade him. So, so God tries to persuade him through all the plagues, and he says, you're not, you're not going. Yeah. You know? Well, this quotation here in verse 17 is from the ninth chapter of Exodus, verse 16. Hmm. So so go back to Exodus 9. Okay. And let's read verse 15 and 16. All right. Now, this is well into the plagues. I think it's the one that had the hail and fire and all that kind of stuff. It is. And uh, several times, you know, Pharaoh has gotten beat down by the plague, and then he'd say, okay, 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 I'll let him go. And then the, God would take away the plague, and he'd say, well, I've changed my mind. Yeah. All right, so read 15 and 16. All right, so here we are, plague 7, the hail, verse 15 of Exodus 9. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. All right, so if you read just verse 16 and you didn't think about the context, you'd think, okay, God is saying that I brought Pharaoh to power in order to do this. But if you read verse 15, he's saying, yeah. I could have knocked you down and killed you a long time ago, Pharaoh, yeah. through all these plagues, but I've kept... Standing you back up. I've raised you back up each time yeah. to show my power. So since Pharaoh kept choosing uh -huh. to resist God, God said, okay, well, I'll just use him. And I'll show how great my power is over Egypt through all these plagues. If you're going to yeah. be that hard-headed, and if you want to be cursed, then I'll still use you to promote my name in all the earth. See, yeah. he's not saying I chose you beforehand to be lost. Yeah. I chose to harden your heart from the moment you were born, and there was nothing you could do about it. No. Okay. And those that know the story know that what he meant was, I've, I've knocked you down so many times. Yeah. I could have killed you any one of those times, but I raised you back up. Yeah. So that I can continue to show forth my power. And if you're going to choose to work against me, I'm not going to stop you. That's right. Okay. So the, the bottom line of this entire passage is... Yeah. Paul is trying to show that it's not God who has deserted Israel. It's Israel that has deserted God's promises. And like Pharaoh, and like Esau who turned against his brother Jacob, and like all those others that have tried to resist the eternally predestined plan of God, okay. uh, they're destined to fail. So God has not cast off his people. Yeah. His People have cast off God's great plan, mm. God's great promise. That's his message okay. here in Romans 9 through 11. It's actually the three-chapter discussion, but this is what the question was at first. So yeah. there you go. So the next verse, 
feels like kind of a tipping point for the next question. So I feel like we should stop here and then maybe start with the next section. Yeah, maybe start with 19 because I'll go ahead and read it for those who... Well, 18 really, but 18 and 19. Yeah. yeah. So then I'll read 18 and 19 together. Um, in, in general, sometimes we don't remind people, have your Bible out, go through stuff with us, be checking things out. But, but here we go. I'll read it, and then you can make some comments as kind of why we may want to stop here rather uh -huh. than driving forward. So verse 18, So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You'll say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? And the answer to that is nobody can. Mm. Really? Yes. <laughs> See, in, in other words, if you follow Paul's logic through the rest of this, once God sets his plan, which he did in those promises to Abraham, mm -hmm. he said, this is what I'm I will do. He didn't say, if this happens, he said, I will, I will, I will. If we try to go against that, we're destined to failure. Uh, one scripture, and then we'll let him rest until we come back. Okay. If you go down to verse 27, he quotes uh, a passage that shows where he's going. All right, so this is a preview of, of maybe a little of next week. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, through the number of the though. though sorry, there we go. Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sands of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. Hmm. There's a good place to stop. Yeah, we'll so, try to get on with some of this next time. Appreciate your studying and looking in the passages. But remember this: you can't just drop your little helicopter down into a passage in the Bible. You need to read everything that came before it and follow the argument through it. Yeah. This is a difficult passage, especially if you don't understand the Old Testament stories and the context of those passages. Yeah, and especially, I would say, as many of the quotations we were referencing back to the Old Testament, if you've got your Bible in front of you and it puts quotes around something, Go look where those quotes are. If it has little bottom notes with little numbers and things, go find those, look at those, because they make a big difference. And don't just read the verse of the quote. Read before it so you understand what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. So just a little extra tidbit on your studies as we go along, but we will be back next time with a continuation of our discussion here in Romans 9. Where are we, Jed? I'm blinded, blinded by the light. Okay. That's enough for its copyright strike. Okay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>